I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this on February 27 for release on March 13. Woohoo! Rolling into spring. I know. That's what I was just going to say. It's sun shining out. It's a high of 50s. I hope in two weeks when this finally uh, releases, we're like in full on spring. We are definitely still in faux spring. It is a mean trick that Colorado plays on us every year. The last few days have been glorious. 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 Like has brought new life into myself my household, and the community, I believe. (laughs) It's true. I tried to go out to dinner on Saturday night and Main Street was packed. Packed. Like everybody was out. All the restaurants had over an hour long wait. I'm like, what is going on? It's because of the weather. Yep. I'll do it every time. Every time. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm ready. I'm ready for spring. Same. Well, what are we even talking about today? Good question, Brittany. In this week's episode, we're going to explore how ChatGPT is being used by nonprofits to, you know, reach out to donors, answer questions, make the giving process more streamlined and efficient. We'll even get to discuss some real world examples of how organizations are using ChatGPT to raise more funds, engage more donors, and make a bigger impact in their communities. Love it. Did ChatGPT write that? Absolutely, it did. Oh, oh man. I love, it. I love it. It's gonna be this whole episode's gonna be like, who wrote this? Is this <laughs> us talking or is this the computer talking? <laughs> so uh yeah, we're talking about chat GPT and AI more broadly and uh utilizations in nonprofits. How fun is that? I know. I think it's awesome, especially since I saw that as a trend for 2023. It was listed as one of the trends. I think Vu mentioned it and some other people mentioned it about the emergence of, well, and continued use or expanded use of artificial intelligence in fundraising. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) And now ChatGPT is such a, like a tangible thing that you can use and play around with and start to wrap your head around oh, this is what AI is. Yeah, yeah. I was watching John Oliver yesterday, so it would have been the episode released on February 26th, and it was all about AI. And they made this really good point. He was like, you know, we actually have probably all been using AI in our lives for years. But as technology becomes so embedded, we stop to recognize it as that larger thing. So like Siri on your phone, algorithms that pushes content to you, right? Like that's all AI. Yeah, absolutely. So what is ChatGPT, Nia? So ChatGPT, it came out late last year, late 2022, and has really taken the AI game to the next level because it it has created this platform where you can go online, you can provide a prompt, and ChatGPT will come back with this response. It can be a bulleted list. It could be a 3,000-word essay. It's all about like what you give it to try to come back. Like that little paragraph I read, the prompt I gave was, write a podcast introduction for an episode about ChatGPT's usage in nonprofit fundraising. That's what it came up that with. That introduction, yeah. That's incredible. 
It's wild. It's really wild. And it's free. For now. For now. I know. But uh, so hopefully in two weeks, it's still free. Our listeners can jump on there, <laughs> play around, yeah. get a sense of it. So of course, first and foremost, Brittany, I have to ask, have you used ChatGPT in your work yet? I have. But beca- <gasps> because because of this podcast. Oh, <laughs> So I jumped on there and I was playing around with it. I mean, that's what was motivated me to try it and asked it some questions and then ended up using it in my class. Mm. So I know ChatGPT and other AI like this, there's a lot of discussion and concern about it at particularly universities, right? right? Colleges, universities. They already have to deal with plagiarism, right? And run everybody's papers and everything through a plagiarism detector. And now with this, I know that they're already creating software to be able to detect if AI wrote it or if a person wrote it. Yeah. But they're concerned that students are not actually going to write their papers, that they're just going to put it through something like this and it'll generate paper, which is just like that statement that you read from it, I mean, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So here I am teaching this college course on introduction to nonprofits, and their midterm is to write a case statement. Oh, I know. And so they had a lot of questions of what that looks like and what it should include. And we went over all the things, but these aren't fundraisers. So out of 11 students, I think two of them actually work in fundraising, but are pretty new to it. Everybody else works for a nonprofit, but not directly in fundraising. So this is very new for them. And finally, I said, look, I'm going to tell you, you can go to chat GPT and you can put in, write a nonprofit case statement for me, which I did. And that'll at least give you the bones of it right? Like that'll give you a sense of the verbiage to use and the information to include. So use that as a starting point if you need it, but you have to make sure it's your own. You're using your own words. You got to add photos, this kind of thing. So I've already used it with my class to help inspire them or get started on an assignment. Yeah. I think we should start off talking about like all the beneficial uses and then we'll talk about the scary stuff because I think like your example is so fantastic. Like the ability to outline stuff and give you like an initial direction is so helpful. I mean, fundraisers out there, how many times have you gotten just totally stuck writing copy? Right. Right. You're just like, I don't even know where to go with this. I don't know how to start it. Using ChatGPT to give you a starting place and then fully write the copy, refine, et cetera, from there is pretty amazing. I've used it once so far in like real work. You might remember I reached out to you a few weeks back to ask if you had a non like a 90 day onboarding plan for fundraisers. You said no. So I asked ChatGPT and it gave me one and it's pretty damn good. Really? Yeah. Again, it's like high level, but that's what I asked for. And then I could go in and fill in everything else. That's incredible that it has that knowledge base. Well, it has all the knowledge that exists on the internet, right? I know. That's so scary. (laughs) Well, so I typed into it, hey, ChatGPT, what can you do for nonprofits? Oh, nice. And it gave me a list. (gasps) What did it say? So 
Number one is exactly what we're talking about right now, writing and editing. I can help with writing and editing fundraising appeals, case statements, grant proposals, and other communications materials. Number two was content creation. I can assist with creating educational content and resources to help nonprofits share their mission goals and impact with a wider audience. Number three, research. I can assist with research on a variety of topics relevant to nonprofits, such as fundraising trends, best practices, and innovative solutions to common challenges. Number four, data analysis. I can assist with data analysis and help organizations make informed decisions based on their data, which I think is interesting. I have not done that yet. And number five, chatbot. I can be integrated into a chat box that can provide information and support to donors and stakeholders, freeing up staff time for other important tasks. That one I really love. Isn't that cool? And it goes on to say, like its ending conclusion is, you know, while I may not be able to make donations or provide direct financial support, (laughs) I can provide information and support that can help nonprofits achieve their goals and make a positive impact in their communities. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? I don't know about you, but I've been seeing more CRMs pushing out how to use AI. Really interesting. I think I got an email like last week even from Donor Perfect. Here are all the ways that you can integrate ChatGPT and other AI solutions to improve your donor relations. I really want to know about this data analysis help, you know, how it can assist and help make informed decisions based on data. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works because at this point, all I've ever done is just ask a question. <laughs> but I don't I don't know about feeding it inform like can you feed it information that it can then analyze for you? Yeah. Well, and you can um continue the conversation. Have you done that yet? No. So after you get the initial response, if you're like, okay, that's good, but I need it longer, I need less of this, you put that into the chat and it continues to generate new responses till you get what you want. Wow. I did see that it only has data in it up to 2021, I believe. So if you're looking for anything current, so I did ask the question, what is the current state of homelessness in Boulder County? Mm -hmm. And it could not give me that. And it said, you know, I only have data up to 2021. I cannot produce that thing. But here are some broader trends of homelessness in the United States or something like that. Yeah, I, I had a similar response. It was like, we don't do real-time data, but here are some, you know, other things. I had a colleague of mine um, who does marketing who was talking about how this can really change the game in terms of hiring. You know, she was like, if if people can put in their resume and say, write me a cover letter for this specific job that, like, pulls out the language of the job description, matches no it to the resume, right? Like, can do Are all that. Serious? She was like, first off, how would I know? I'm just going to get this cover letter and be like, they were fucking spot on. Right. And if people can use it in their daily jobs, could that be a leveler? Right? Maybe I'm not so worried about your ability to write. If ChatGPT can generate some of the initial content and then you're just editing it. Maybe I'm not worried if English is your second language because you've got this additional tool now. Interesting. I know. I had not heard that take. I thought that was really fascinating to think about. 
Ah, there's so many really cool things about it. And then so many really scary things about it. So, yeah, a lot of scary things in the episode of John Oliver. (laughs) I love John Oliver. I do, too. It's just so good. And I, of course, recommend everybody go and watch the full episode. But they were talking about a Twitter bot that had been created to, like, learn from Twitter. And, you know, it starts off, hello, world. And by the end of, like, 24 hours, it was like saying anti-Semitic stuff, racist Mm. stuff, right? Like we have to recognize that if these AI tools are using what's on the internet, there's a lot of really shitty stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And who's creating these AIs, right? Is it a bunch of men? Are we going to be worried about, you know, misogyny and issues like that? Right. I did read about some of those roadblocks that they had hit. And I I just kind of perused it. So I didn't get all the specifics about it. But it was something about uh, this person was using it. And the AI told him to divorce his wife. (laughs) And was like giving advice, you know, like almost like therapy advice. And that's the kind of stuff that's kind of scary, too, is, you know, these are not people who are taking in all the complexities of a 3D life, but they have this knowledge bank and so feel like, you know, what happens when they start to give advice, but it's not accurate, it's not safe, it's not, but people believe it. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like, you know, the examples you and I were giving of using it, it's like as a starting place. I'm not recommending you put a prompt into chat GPT and then put it into your CRM as your acknowledgement letter. Right. Right. Like you got to edit this shit. You got to review it because there, there are biases, there are inaccuracies. Another really interesting thing, I think, beyond just the the bias of the the system itself is how it was created. Uh-huh. So I found this article, I'll, I'll drop it in the show notes from Forbes. So as OpenAI is the company that owns ChatGPT, as they were creating this, they recognized, you know, the, the violent, sexist, racist shit that the AI would be picking up. So in order to combat that, they hired Kenyan laborers, paying them less than $2 an hour. They were in charge of filtering harmful text and images in order to train the data to be able to recognize harmful content. One worker shared the trauma they experienced while reading and labeling the text for OpenAI, describing it as torture because of the traumatic nature of the text. Right, it's like as soon as there's like a fun new toy, you're like, fuck, why do the worst people make the coolest shit. Oh, that sounds horrible. I don't know. It reminds me of uh, the movie Clockwork Orange, where they like force (laughs) the eyelids open and they have to Mm -hmm. see all those horrible images. Yeah. Um, It is torture. Uh, Did you hear about Vanderbilt? And their statement? Yes. Oh, my God. Again, about not just using ChatGPT and like copying and pasting. So Vanderbilt University had to apologize because they used it to write a mass shooting email. And it was an email about a mass shooting at another university, but they said the distribution of the note did not follow the school's usual process. You think? I mean, and it was to let people know about what happened at Michigan State. And somebody like figured out this is not, this wasn't written by a human. Yeah. Perhaps lacking empathy, you know, or whatever it was. And they were able to call him out. Yeah, I've got the letter in front of us, in front of me. Oh, good. 
so the recent Michigan shootings, it was one shooting and it was at Michigan State, are a tragic reminder of the importance of taking care of each other, particularly in the context of creating inclusive environments. Goes on to say more, create, and then we need to create a space where everyone feels welcome and supported. What? Yeah. It also just makes me think, like, what prompt did you use? Like, is this in response to, like, some racial justice moment at the university? This right. does not seem to jive. So I feel like we're going to see a lot more of these things coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how they found that one out? How? Whoever put it together is a fucking idiot. That's the moral of the story. It said at the bottom, in parentheses, paraphrase from OpenAI's ChatGPT AI language model, personal communication, February 15. No, it did not. Yes, it did. So they just like fully admitted that that's where they took it from. Yeah, like they just copied and pasted straight from ChatGPT. First and foremost, I don't know how every university doesn't have a mass shooting email prepped. Yeah, fair. Just feels like you need to at this point. Number two, what idiot has been allowed to do this shit without any review? Right. Three, what idiot was hired who would make a mistake like that? Like, that's a big one. We all make mistakes. I've sent out emails without subject lines. Sure. This is a big one. Yeah, exactly. So listeners, beware. If you do decide to explore the uses of AI in your fundraising, do not copy and paste. No. I asked ChatGPT about ethical considerations as well. Oh, do you want to hear what it thinks? Yeah. Um, Specifically for nonprofits using AI, it says number one, data privacy Mm. refers to donor data, keeping that safe and secure. So, like, you wouldn't want your AI to be collecting data potentially. Right. Because most of these services, especially if you're looking at free ones, that would give access to donor data that you shouldn't be giving out. Number two, being transparent, making sure that donors know that AI is being used. That could be like if you're using a chatbot on your website, make sure that's it's obvious that they're not talking to a real human at 1030 at night on a Sunday. Right. Because we know donors are idiots sometimes. Bias. I mean, it's all the things we've talked about already. The developers and the data can be biased. Responsibilities. Nonprofits must take responsibility for the action of the AI tools. Fairness. This one I think is interesting. Nonprofits must ensure that their AI tools are used fairly and equitably. They must ensure that all donors are given equal opportunities to engage with their organization and that no one is excluded or disadvantaged. So I I wonder if the thought there is like certain donors would have like AI responses and others would get like real humans. Right. And then the last one is human oversight. Ensure that there is a human oversight of all AI usage whether it's algorithms, copy, or data analysis. All right. It's interesting because most of these actually aren't ethical considerations. It's just like good implementation recommendations. So even that, I would say like, this was not exactly what I'd asked for. Right. (laughs) You can also, you know, add some additional twists to what you ask. So I asked for two different fundraising appeals. One that was donor-centric, and one that was community-centric. No way! Yes. Did it work? Kinda. Okay. A little bit. Um, The donor-centric one, I'm just going to read this little part. As a donor to this organization, you've shown a deep commitment to making a positive impact in the lives of others. 
that is why I'd like to share with you, blah, blah, blah. We believe this. We provide that. Thanks to the generosity of supporters like you, we've been able to provide these children with a brighter future, blah, blah, blah. Pretty standard, right? Fundraising text, put the donor in the middle of it. The community-centric one, it still has a little bit of that. We believe that every child deserves a chance to succeed. We're writing to you today because we need your help. As you may know, we do this. We see the difference it makes. Your donation will help us to provide that. So it didn't really get much different except that it talks about, it mentions the word community four times. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's how I'd interpreted it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it recognizes, like, could you say, write a fundraising appeal using asset-based language? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, how could I know? And as we start shifting our communications, right, as we should be, hopefully already have, but again, maybe this is a tool that we can use that can help us with that language. Yeah. Do you remember in our last episode when we were talking about the Easter Bunny rescue? Yes. I told that to friends. (laughs) Yes. I loved it so much. So I also asked it to write an appeal for an Easter Bunny rescue. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. What does it say? As Easter is quickly approaching, I'm reaching out to you for your help with an urgent matter. The Easter Bunny uppercase E and B. The Easter Bunny is in need of our assistance and we must act fast to ensure that this beloved holiday symbol is saved. Unfortunately, due to a variety of factors such as habitat loss and climate change, the Easter Bunny population has been in decline in recent years. And then it goes on to like ask for money for the Easter Bunny fund. (laughs) That's hysterical. I love you so much that you thought to do that. Oh my gosh. That's classic. Uh, Yeah. Again, though, like if I worked for an Easter Bunny rescue, this would be enough that I could take and like actually make it accurate. Like it gives the format that you typically want. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked about using it for communications, like appeal letters, case statements, um, brochures, website languaging, all that kind of stuff. We've talked about using it for hiring or someone else potentially using it for hiring, for creating onboarding plans, mm-hmm. right? It can also be used for grants. Yeah. Right. I've heard a lot of places starting to use it for grants. I wonder if it also could help with, you know, things like creating HR policies. Yeah. Why not? Employee handbooks. Yeah. That sort of thing. Absolutely. Use it for everything. Use it. Just use it. What about for, um, like gift acceptance policies. Yeah. Right? I saw, um, I think this was in like one of my nonprofit Facebook groups. Somebody did a video of using it to write auction item descriptions. <gasps> Brilliant. Fucking hate writing those. Brilliant. Yeah, that's so great. All right. So I want to hear from any of our listeners who have used it or anybody's that was inspired by this podcast to go and try it out and what you thought about it. Yeah, I do feel like we need to at least mention the larger discourse around AI and chat GPT and concerns about like jobs being lost and like just fundamentally changing the landscape. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows that 
jobs won't be lost. They'll just be kind of transformed and changed. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happened with every like major development, you know, think industrial revolution, et cetera. And I know it's scary. It's scary for a lot of people to think about. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this isn't the same at all, but what it reminds <laughs> me of is how we all went virtual, right? During uh -huh. the pandemic. And now there's this call for people to come back into the office because you just can't replace that personal interaction. Mm -hmm. So hopefully what we even learned from that makes people realize that you can't replace a person with a machine and get the same result. It's like all those commercials of people like on hold with some automated messaging system being like, representative, representative. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just need a human. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, well, how can they contact us? Oh, you can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And before we sign off, just want to let people know it's not too late to join in on our book club that we're doing over on Patreon. So you can just go ahead and sign up to be a Patreon uh, subscriber. We have what, as little as $3 at most $12 per month. And you get a, you know different benefits with those different levels, but all the levels can participate in our reading of The Re Revolution Will Not Be Funded. Um, and believe me, you're gonna wanna listen to us and not have to read along with us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks folks. Thank you. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.